0: Welcome to West Michigan Philanthropy. I'm John McFarlane with Miller-Johnson's Trust and Estates Practice Group. And joining me today are uh, my guests, Jennifer Yelovina, Senior Director of Gift Planning with Western Michigan University, and Brad Kaufman with uh, the Mary Freebed Foundation, uh, Director of Planned Giving there. Uh, today we're going to talk about the SECURE Act 2.0 and Qualified Charitable Distributions. There were some new enhancements to the SECURE Act which benefit charity and uh, provide some great opportunities for charities and taxpayers in Western Michigan. So I thought, Jennifer and Brad, I would talk about the old rules of the uh, Qualified Charitable Distributions from the Pension Protection Act of 2006. And back then, um, it wasn't possible, really, to make an outright gift from your IRA during lifetime. It was not tax-efficient. You'd have to withdraw from that IRA, pay ordinary income tax, and then make a gift of cash to the charity. And you really didn't get a real smooth, Mm tax-efficient gift when doing that. So many uh, leaders in the philanthropic community, Conrad Teitel, Charles Schultz, and others, lobbied Congress and sought to have a piece of legislation passed which would allow for direct transfers from IRAs to qualified charities. So in that bill, you you have to be, and it's current law now, uh, 70, and ha- 70 and a half years or older. There is a cap of $100,000 per year for these outright direct transfers to charity. It qualifies for the required minimum distribution, the RMD, which we know... Your donors and taxpayers really don't like paying that RMD if uh, if they can avoid it. Uh, so another major benefit is that it's not included in taxable income. So um, people who are looking to make a gift from that IRA, and they've estimated there are $4 trillion, I think, locked up in IRA, IRA assets across the country, uh, they can use these uh, assets now to make charitable gifts. Uh, tell me a little bit, Jennifer, about how these QCDs have helped uh, Western Michigan University and how you promote and market these yeah. gifts.
1: This is something we really focused on because it is such an opportunity for our donors. So those who are seventy and a half um, have an opportunity to draw down those funds and give to scholarship, experiential learning opportunities, all of the different um, initiatives that we have going on. Um, we are marketing them pretty pretty significantly and trying to educate our donors who are over seventy and a half that this is an opportunity. So we're doing some direct mail. We're um, putting out emails, taglines on our signature lines, that kind of thing. Um, Lots of information going out about um, giving the benefits of giving through your IRA.
0: Have you seen an increase from the early days when this was first passed and put into law to Mm -hmm. now? I've seen with clients uh, at Miller Johnson, Mm -hmm. they're very aware of this, and it's very popular Mm -hmm. with donors. I think that people like to do it, and I encourage people, if you're going to make gifts to charity... Mm -hmm make those gifts with the IRA assets. They're not tax-friendly gifts to Mm -hmm. pass on down to children because the kids are going to have to pay ordinary income tax when they withdraw that Mm -hmm. money. So make those gifts from the IRA to charity. Brad, what about at Mary Freebed Foundation? Do you see uh... quite a few of these gifts
2: yeah i think you know with the with the legislation when it came out it really was a game changer in terms of allowing folks who had these assets to uh... support their favorite charities in a more meaningful and a bigger way really Um what we saw is that the gifts um... The QCDs were were larger than than a typical gift from uh, specific donors because of the tax advantage of being able to do that. Um, And what it's also allowed them to do is... um, have a little bit more uh, involvement in how they want to support certain programs and efforts at Mary Freebed Rehabilitation Hospital. Like Jennifer said, uh, people could target it to certain things, and that's the same within our hospital, too. So if they wanted to specifically target our spinal cord injury program or our stroke rehab uh, program they could do that with a larger more meaningful gift because they were giving it from their ira instead of uh, out of their you know discretionary disposable income because it became uh, a you know, just a better tax benefit, as you said, they're not—they don't have to pay the the income tax on it anymore, and so it allowed them to uh, make those larger gifts. So we saw um, an uptick in the um, amount of gifts um, and an uptick in the uh, quantity—the the the, uh, the quantity of gifts that we got from different donors.
0: That's tremendous. I yeah. I know I've seen clients in the past that will give the $100,000 cap, maybe in the tail end of the year, November, December, and then they'll turn around and do another $100,000 in January or February of the following year. So you can have a substantial impact in a short amount of time to help uh, your favorite charities. It's worth noting, and and I know that you both know this, but for our viewers, I want to make make it clear, only qualified public charities can receive these QCDs and that that would not include supporting organizations private foundations or donor advised funds um, but there are opportunities i know i've talked with folks uh uh for uh, as you said Brad designated gifts or uh Targeted type funds, uh, where you can you can uh, certainly uh, establish uh, some some good projects and, and and programs. One other point I wanted to mention: there's no charitable income tax deduction. So I'm sure you get that with your donors. Well, they'll ask. Well, they don't get it because it's pre-tax money, and they get a benefit, not having to pay that ordinary income. But there's no deduction. So I imagine maybe. I don't know how you handle maybe an acknowledgement. I know some charities will have an acknowledgement, but not a receipt for a donation. So that's important. The acknowledgements
1: are pretty specific to Mm -hmm. to that type of gift. And so we make sure that the language that's required is included in the acknowledgement. So they have Mm -hmm.
0: that. So President Biden signed the SECURE Act 2.0. It was signed by President Biden on December 29th of 2022 and included in that, which surprised me and I think others in the. Uh, plan giving community, there was a provision which allowed for QCD transfers to fund what we know in the industry as split uh, interest vehicles in the statute, they call them split interest entities. But now you can take the cap as $50,000, not $100,000, but $50,000 and fund a charitable gift annuity, a charitable remainder unit trust, or a charitable remainder annuity trust. I think your donors are probably familiar with those terms, but they're all what we call life income gifts. The, the donor makes a gift uh, to a charitable gift annuity, a charitable remainder trust, and they receive an income, uh life income payment back with the remainder passing to charity. So there's another enhanced opportunity through this legislation for these QCD gifts. Uh, it's important to note only the taxpayer and the taxpayer's spouse can be the annuitants or the income beneficiary. So that limits you somewhat uh, when you look at your t- typical CGA or CRUT-type scenario where you could name others. There may be some gift tax implications there, but you could name others. Some other points to to, to, to make clear for our viewers, um, again, it's the $50,000 cap. Hmm. You can't make additional contributions here. Right. So you can't mix in... Uh, uh cash or uh public securities or property with us that CGA or that crut only can hold the QCD mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. And um I've heard people talk about conversations that these uh philanthropic leaders have had with Treasury. They didn't want to I know early on they had four hundred thousand was going to be the amount. Yeah. But they dropped that down because that there's a little bit of an opportunity for deferring the ordinary income with these. And and they thought if you did a $400,000 charitable gift annuity and you only pay ordinary income on the payment, you, you have a little bit of a deferral opportunity. So that's important to note for your donors. Everything coming back is going to be taxed as ordinary income, but it frees them up to have these life income gifts. I would imagine you have maybe some senior donors who have the IRA, which is the largest asset in their portfolio, that need income, but want to make the gifts during lifetime. I imagine you have some of that, Jennifer.
1: Yeah, that's the real benefit um, that you can, those donors who are concerned about the economy or having income, a steady stream of income, this really does provide an opportunity for them to give in a way that works for them as well. Um, I think with regard to the, the limit of that $50,000, you know, it is a foot in the door for that legislation and hopefully we'll see an increase as, as things move on and, and people start using these types of vehicles to make their, to make their gifts.
0: It would be tremendous. Mm -hmm. I think these, these bills are very popular Mm -hmm. and a lot of good is being done with them. I know there's an inflation index, which, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Um, so both for the $100,000 outright QCD transfer and the $50,000 transfer for these split interest entities in 2024 they're going to adjust the amount for inflation so we'll Mm -hmm. see a little bit of an uptick there and an opportunity I know with Mm the uh, estate tax exclusion we saw a tremendous increase up to 12.92 million this year Mm -hmm. due to the inflation adjustment so with the inflation we're we're seeing we might see some opportunities there for your donors um, one thing that I've done with clients and you may have seen this is sometimes people will have a gift annuity or a charitable remainder trust and they'll say I don't need the income anymore I'm going to assign my life income interest to the charity. Mm-hmm. It's important to note that is not permissible under this law so you can't assign that income stream back to the charity or to any other person so uh, that was a provision in the statute that uh, we we need to 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 make sure our uh, donors and clients are aware of again it's a there's a five percent minimum so that's the case for charitable remainder trusts anyway but it's new for the gift annuity so mm-hmm. You, I would imagine, Brad, do you use the ACGA rates there, the American we, Council on we, Gift and New Year rates?
2: We do, and, and actually that's kind of the industry standard for our endowments as well. As uh, There's usually a 5% uh, payout for any endowments that we may hold, whether they be internal or external to our organization. On a rolling period of quarters, um, they take the average, they look at the value of the, of the corpus of the endowment, and then the 5% will go to the program. So it's kind of a cross the board that five percent number and um, I think you know it's it's you know as as Jennifer said um, it's really about providing another opportunity for these um, you know uh, senior donors to uh, utilize uh, this asset that they have um, in a more creative and a different way to support their favorite charity
0: it's really that that concept of seeing your gift while you're living is very important. Mm-hmm. I know my clients are very moved when they set up these planned gifts that that's yeah. a big part of it. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. can see their legacy and see their gifts uh, come into fruition, and uh, this is just another chance for more of your donor base to use those IRA assets.
2: Well, and we have too, as I know Western Michigan University does as well, we have our 1891 Legacy Society, which is uh, just a group of of folks who have remembered us uh, and included Mary Freebed in their estate plan, so there's additional benefits and um, communication opportunities Mm -hmm. that we utilize through that society to keep those donors informed, give them some opportunities, in our case, to speak with our leadership, our, our clinical uh, professionals, um, which is what I think they love. They love to hear about what's going on mm-hmm. and what's new at the hospital. So,
0: Some interesting, uh, with the two-life gift annuity and those ACGA rates, I, I know that sometimes when working with clients, maybe one spouse is significantly older than the other, so those rates... The higher the age of the annuitant, the higher the payout. So Mm -hmm. some of the younger ages may be below 5%. I haven't Mm -hmm. looked at those rates in some time. Mm -hmm. But if it goes below, that's something that charities and taxpayers need to be aware of, that you have to have that 5%. So maybe there might be a time when you have to try to negotiate with the charity to get up to the 5% Mm -hmm. to qualify for that QC transfer. Mm -hmm. Another possible scenario is with... um, uh, what they call the NICRUTS or the NIM CRUTS where you have a net income, you pay the lesser of the net income or the stated unit trust percentage. So you'd have a 5% stated unit trust percentage, mm-hmm. but then there's some question as to whether that lesser of the net income is going to allow that CRUT to qualify for that QCD transfer. So maybe a few wrinkles there mm-hmm. that we're going to have to look out for as, as our donors and clients start to do more and more of these QCD mm-hmm. Uh, gifts to these split-interest vehicles, but some amazing opportunities. Uh, again, the limit here uh, is is supporting, or you can't make them the supporting organizations or donor-advised funds. So that's something that we have to be aware of. Do you have any other thoughts about this? I know that I've heard some commentators say, "Well, no one's going to set up a charitable remainder trust for fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You have to pay the attorney." Uh, there's the cost of administering the trust. So a lot of commentators I've heard have said this is going to be a real opportunity for gift annuities because you have a simple contract, a quick $50,000 transfer in and you're going to have a lot of gift annuities written by charities. Yeah. Do your organizations issue gift annuities or do you work with a third party for doing, doing those? Uh, program.
1: Yeah, we work with, um, State Street Global Advisors to manage oh. our gift annuity program. Um, we have a small pool right now, but we do, we, we are anticipating a bigger, um, it, a bigger display of interest in those gifts. So we've, we're talking to our donors, we're training our team on the nuances that are involved with setting these up to your point about, you know, the benefit can be for the donor or the spouse and the different age group, that type of thing. So, uh, we're working a lot and sharing a lot of information to uh, make sure that our that our folks are informed.
0: And Brad uh, do you issue do you have uh, a charitable gift annuity program that's
2: we do not currently but that is something that we're going to look into now because of this law mm-hmm. I think or the update to this law um, we will engage with a third party as well um, just because we feel that that's the cleanest uh, way to do it and um, you know we want to put the 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 details into the hands of the experts on our behalf and so uh, so we're actually in the process of researching uh, folks to handle that for us.
0: That's an important point I think for charitable organizations and when I advise clients if you do it internally um, there's some risk there Mm -hmm. and you have to look at that annuity pool and make sure you have adequate reserves there are state regulations so Mm -hmm. that can be a bit of an administrative burden for these charities so if you're new to the charitable gift annuity game there are some great groups out there Mm -hmm. I know we both uh, speak with Brian Klotz down yes. with Charitable yeah. uh, uh, Solutions LLC and uh, the Decemai Foundation in particular, okay. so you can shift that liability, which is kind of nice. Then mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about administering these programs, but you benefit from those gifts. So that's a tremendous opportunity. This is a, a one-time election too. So mm-hmm. on these fifty thousand, that's important, and I. I imagine the IRS will update their forms, uh, probably on the 1040 where you make this election. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not by April 15th of this year. I mm-hmm. don't know, but the, the opportunity's there. So mm-hmm. it's available for 2023. Um, so a lot of, a lot of great opportunities here. It's, it's exciting for the charitable community. Um, Jennifer, why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, Western Michigan University and sure. some of the programs you have going on right sure, now?
1: Sure, sure. Western Michigan University was, Created in 1903, it's a public research university located in Kalamazoo, Michigan. We have um, 147 undergraduate degree programs, almost 75 master's level programs, and 30 doctorate programs. We're in the early phases of a campaign, um, really designed to promote opportunities for our students, scholarship, internships for. All experiential learning opportunities, tremendous amount of um, support for our students. So we're eager to talk to our donors about different ways that they can give. This really does provide an opportunity for them to amplify their current giving, and it really opens up the conversation for us to have with them about beneficiary designations of those IRA assets and how that might benefit charity after their lifetime. So this is something that's really important to us and to our future.
0: You, you might be really busy this year. <laughs> <laughs> I think. All, the entire charitable giving community is going yeah. to be busy with mm-hmm. this. Brad, what about at the Mary Freebed Foundation? Right?
2: Well, Mary Free Bed uh, Rehabilitation Hospital is the fourth largest independent uh, freestanding rehab hospital in the nation. Um, so we're fortunate to have that here in West Michigan. Um, founded in 1891, it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, someone found a small black purse on the street that had six cents in it <laughs> and thought, well, let's put this money to good use and um being that it was 1891, the most popular name, girl's name at the time was Mary. And so they went on a fundraising uh, push to say, if you know someone named Mary or you are named Mary, would you donate a dime so that we can fund a hospital bed for the less fortunate? And so they did that, and um, that's how it became the Mary Free Bed, actually. So the name stuck. Um, That original group of of ladies who... um, uh, started that fundraising effort, incorporated as a guild, and they still are involved and, and uh, manage uh, and oversee portions of our hospital today. They sit on the board of directors and, and so forth. And uh, it's grown to be throughout the state of Michigan, both inpatient and outpatient uh, sites, as well as uh, Northern Indiana and Chicago, Illinois, and we're looking to expand into a few other states in the future. So the foundation, however, has only been around for about 10 years. Um, and so that's kind of interesting. While Mary Freebed is 131, 132 years old, the foundation has only been around for 10 years. and in that time has really focused primarily on, uh, expansion of our programs and services. And that included a capital campaign back in 2012 to 2016, 17, uh, to build our West expansion. And the hospital went from 46 beds in 23 rooms to 167 beds all in their own room. Uh, and they're full all the time, which is Unfortunate that that we need to have it that way, but um, they provide a tremendous level of services for our patients and families, um, and uh, the foundation is we're very excited because we're launching another capital campaign soon to build a pediatric rehabilitation hospital right across the street from the current hospital that will be connected by a skywalk, and it'll be 24 beds focused completely on pediatric rehabilitation and this isn't just necessarily um you know car accidents and things like that where a lot of people think you know that's what rehab is. There's also rehab for stroke and uh spinal cord injuries and cancer and just a variety of different things and it's all encompassing. It's not just the physical rehab but there's also mental and emotional rehab that we specialize in as well. So
0: so many good things happening in, in West Michigan. And it's a unique, I know we've both talked about this, we, we serve on uh, the Western Michigan Plan Giving Group together. We're all board members, and mm-hmm. that's a common theme that comes up at our meetings is how generous this mm-hmm. community is, how committed to philanthropy uh, this community is, and it's really unique. I don't see this anywhere else in the country uh, quite like Grand Rapids and Western Michigan. So we thank you both for coming uh, to Miller-Johnson today and joining us. Uh, it's uh, great to hear about your organizations and the good work you do and it's exciting to see these new opportunities with the uh, QCD transfers to the split interest vehicles. So thank you for
1: coming.